0: When you get a mission, you said, you guys got it because it's your work that made it. Not me, the chef, but you, the the team.
1: One of the things I've loved that we've done this year is not just talk to some of the folks that we've been so lucky enough to have uh, over the last few years doing this podcast on whether that's elected officials, it's C-level executives, it's uh, thought leaders, it's uh, that are talking about the science of learning or employee engagement or how we develop a stronger workforce. Some of the most fun conversations I think we've been having is with People within the hospitality space close to the frontline, in a category, by the way, that has an overwhelming percentage of frontline workers that, uh, in many ways, come from a very diverse background, oftentimes uh, are working uh, long hours, doing a lot with a little is probably a fair thing to say. And, you know, along the way, we've talked to uh, some great chefs, but this one I had a lot of fun with Chef Ken Holm from Tucson, Arizona. He was born to Cantonese parents who emigrated to the U.S. after losing his father when he was just eight months old. His mother moved to Chicago to be with relatives. At 11, he went to work in his uncle's restaurant. At 19, he headed off to California to study art history and French history. And to pay for his university fees, he started to give cookery lessons and quickly realized that this was where his heart uh, really was, especially with his native Chinese cuisine. Soon started teaching, uh, first in his house and then at the California Culinary Academy, which is a school for pro chefs in San Francisco. Soon after he released a few books, the BBC contacted him and they had him on his first UK television series in 1984, Ken Holmes' Chinese Cookery. Uh, It was an instant hit. By the way, his book sold over 1.5 million copies worldwide and to this day continues to be a top seller after more than three decades in print. During his career, Chef Ken Holm has fronted a number of top restaurants worldwide, including the Yellow River Group, Oriental Restaurants Group throughout the UK, the Mason Chin Restaurant at the Bandara Hotel in Bangkok, and most recently, Me Restaurant at Belmont's Copacabana Palace Hotel in Rio de Janeiro. All restaurants have won a bunch of prestigious awards, including a Michelin Star, as well as winning Best Asian Restaurant from the Eat and Drink Awards, and Restaurant of the Year from the Brazilian Government Tourist Bureau. Did you get all that, Jaime? He was awarded Honorary Officer of the Order of the British Empire by Queen Elizabeth II for services to the culinary arts in 2009. And most recently, you'll find his recipe for his coronation Asian-style roast rack of lamb for King Charles. I was also excited most recently to pick up Ken Holmes' My Stir-Fried Life. It was hard to find among the multiple dozen other books that Ken has released. Chef has done a lot. I obviously want to talk to Ken about his experience traveling the world, working in kitchens, consulting, advising, and what he's seen in the restaurant hospitality space as we think about the future of work. Here's Chef Ken Holm. Let's bring it in.
2: Ken, I guess to to start, um, I don't want to ask you to start at the beginning and tell us who you are, but um, I guess, can you share a little bit about yourself and your journey to start?
0: Yes, um, my name is Ken (laughs) Hom, and um, I've been a chef for over 60 years. I've been cooking uh, since I was 11, so you can figure out how old I am. (laughs) Um, I've done many things over the years. I've written uh, 40 books on food and cooking, etc. I... The smartest thing I ever did was not to have a restaurant. <laughs> and But I have cooked all over the world. Um, I've cooked, for instance, Cathay Pacific airline did my food uh, for three years um, in 35 ports. I've cooked at all the top hotels um, in Asia, like the Peninsula, um, the Langham in London, uh, just everywhere, the Mandarin Oriental in San Francisco, for example. Um, So I've done a lot. I've done a lot of consulting. I did a a, a recently, my most recent project was a restaurant in Rio de Janeiro at the Copacabana Palace. And uh, eight months after it opened, it got a Michelin star. Um, So I've worked and actually I taught professional chefs for a number of years. One of my students, for example, was the Um, uh, Charlie Trotter for example uh, taught at the Culinary Academy in San Francisco so I've done a lot of work in the hospitality food industry uh, worldwide actually and it's been a fun ride and what a journey it's been 40 books you got a few more coming (laughs) <laughs> what's the next one? Oh my god actually the next one is is quite interesting um um i have a proposal that a, a publisher wants to do um it's on cutting food waste this is from my latest rant all, all this um, wastage of food and i always tell restaurants for instance i go into a kitchen i look i say, what's in the bin that's where all the profits are and you have to be conscious of not wasting food. if you want to make money, that doesn't mean you cut corners, but you have to be really aware of um what you're throwing away and there's such wastage is it's it's amazing, and it's destroying the planet, and we really have to get a grip with that.
2: I want to ask you i'd lo- you know love to be able to ask. There's so much focus today, not just in the restaurant space, but in all industries around talent development and uh, coaching and developing an uh, uh, individual into a role that they may or may not have the the skills for at, at this moment. I'd imagine that in many of in your career in restaurants, you've walked in and out of your see you see this front and center in the kitchen, um, what, what are the, um, observations or perspectives from your side on how you develop an environment where you can create pathways mm-hmm. for maybe someone who's working one end of the line to move, you know, across the line, how, how do you think about coaching and development that, um, or where, what? Do you, what are the trends you see of the best restaurants in the world, or the best chefs, or the best teams?
0: Well, you know, Sam, the, the whole thing is um, in any business, it's all about mentoring, and what I mean by that is, um, you get people excited about something, you fill them with passion, but also, you have to treat them with respect, and um, At the same time, listen, let's not get too serious. You have to have a sense of humor. And you know, you can't teach people something like that. You either, um, I think you either feel that or you don't. I think some of the best uh, chefs I've seen in the kitchens, you go in the kitchen and you can see a vibe of everybody's happy, what they're doing, um they want to grow they're passionate and it's all about teaching as well i think above all i would call myself a teacher more than anything i've i've done television i've done um a number of bbc major um series on, on food and cooking um so i'm a teacher first and I want to share. See, the thing is, if if you're management, you know how people want to keep everything to themselves. Well, that doesn't help. The environment and the ambiance of, of what people want. When you want to give, everybody wants to say, OK, I, I want to learn this. I, I love it when I'm cooking and chef said, uh, Chef, what are you doing? Uh, um, how are you doing that? Why does it taste this way? And what I try to encourage them is to smell, use your senses. How did I learn how to cook? Because people taught me, they mentored me, my uncle at age 11. He said, this is how you do it. This is how taste it Do you see how it tastes? That's how it develops, how, how it's formed. And for food, it's vitally important to taste, smell. It's all about senses. And if you don't convey that, um, it's not something one is born into, but it's something that can be acquired if you have the passion for it. And if you love something, fill the people you work with with that same passion. And to me, that's a good manager, and that's a good chef when you go into a kitchen and everybody's excited they want to do their best and um they want to give and and that's really important and I work with a lot of management of major hotels they they would ask me after I worked in the kitchen can tell you know give us really good feedback on what you see and um What can be improved? I mean, that's part of what I get paid for.
2: <laughs> I, I was in a I was in a beautiful restaurant in uh, New York City a few weeks ago with my my wife and my my daughter is six years old and she loves to see the kitchen and there was an open kitchen concept and we got to sit at the counter and uh, and watch and my daughter's watching the line and it it was she said to me they they're 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 such a team Observing the it was a very small space in new york city open kitchen concept very small and they were they were moving seamlessly and communicating and not using necessarily words as they were doing it how do you make that happen
0: well again it's about teamwork you know, the same analogy It's like football. Um, what I mean, uh, football in Europe, which would you call in America soccer? And what makes a good team? For, for example, one of the major teams um, in um, the UK is Manchester United because they had a coach named Alex Ferguson who was amazing. He got the whole team together. He says, no bloody star here everybody's a star let's work together as a team and it's funny because since he's retired it hasn't been the same because it all comes from the coach which is in the same analogy as the chef getting everybody together to work as a team. And your daughter is very perceptive. I mean, wow, at six years old, (laughs) fantastic that she can see that. And when you see a kitchen working like that, it's almost like a ballet company. They're all doing this. They're all doing that because they feel natural. And that's really important. And you don't have somebody shouting and you know all this kind of thing they said you know let's hit them over the head with something <laughs> that doesn't work um but you at the same time you had to be professional you can't be this kind of, I remember sometimes when um I was in California some of the chefs they got too uh, how do you say sort of lazy oh let, let it happen well Sorry, that doesn't happen. <laughs> Things don't happen by itself. You need guidance and you need management.
2: The um, I want to talk to you a little bit about the effects of, uh, maybe in, in maybe the the view of workers, uh, in the re- in the restaurant industry, the the pandemic in the United States had a very interesting effect on the way we viewed uh, a restaurant and its its staff it it went from the workers became quote essential and uh there was this moment of a, a tremendous amount of respect and appreciation for the dangers and sacrifices that workers uh navigated in service of the of their guests that that has suddenly changed over the last year or so as in in the united states Things shifted to workers in the restaurant industry being being targeted as uh, lazy or unwilling or not willing to come back to work. And um, I'm interested in your in in how you have seen uh, globally, because in the United States sometimes we just you know obviously focus inward. How has the the after effects of the pandemic uh, changed for good or bad? uh the The lives or the way that we view workers within the restaurant industry
0: well it's 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 really interesting, Sam, because i I see um the restaurants who have survived and the businesses that have survived are the businesses that have taken care of their workers. In other words, when the pandemic came, oh, it's easy to chuck everybody out. And people don't realize what a hard life working in the restaurant is. I mean, you have to be mental. I mean, it's 12-hour days, sometimes six days a week or more. And um, as you said, they were not valued. And also, I, I think you have to give people not only a sense of pride, but you have to take care of them. You know, if you take, I noticed that all the restaurants I've been going around, all the restaurants that survived anywhere in the world, whether it be in London, Paris, uh, Bangkok, which I lived part of the time, are the restaurants that have been really, and hotels, that have been really good to their employees. In other words, when the pandemic came, they worked with their employees to do takeaway delivery rather than laying them off and what they did was they worked on other things like paring down their menu rather than having a big excessive menu but what they told their employees we value you we're going to take care of you and your family by paying you despite the revenue being down it's long-term thinking you see, the, the problem is about a lot of management sometimes is too short-term. You have to see where you're going to be after the pandemic, not while you're in it. And you, you have to be visionary and say, okay, we're going to get out of this in two years. But the people who are loyal working with you, will they still be there? And the problem is, uh, unfortunately, a lot of people in the the restaurant business they said when the pandemic came I, I go somewhere else and they said do I really need this in my life 12 hour days I don't see my family I don't see my friends um, I can't have everybody's having a good time while I'm working and um, but if you treat them well and value them and I've noticed every single restaurant that I've been to that have done really well through the pandemic are restaurants that have taken care of not only their employees but in a way their guests because you know when you have happy chefs and happy waiters people working you know the customer is happy as well nothing is worse than somewhere where they have a grim face you know doesn't open your appetite (laughs) totally Right. Happy face makes you hungry.
2: <laughs> and, and I think what you're saying is so important, given you know, the fact that I think sometimes as guests and maybe sometimes as managers or restaurant owners, you forget that the, the the folks on the front line of your workforce may just be a missed paycheck away from a really tough situation or, you know, before they, clock in and after they clock out where they're going to comes back with them into uh into work um i think that a little more um empathy and understanding around the those effects are are important do you see the same do you i guess is there a difference in the way uh, other um in other countries in your travels do you see a stark difference in the way that uh, different communities appreciate their their staff inside of a restaurant that is a should be a best practice adopted by others.
0: Well, you know it's interesting. I see restaurants in Asia. They tend to treat their team like an extended family. You understand they're not just employees. For instance, some restaurants in in Bangkok, when the pandemic came and they uh, when they had leftover foods they said to the employees, you can take it home to your family in other words it's not you don't have to pay for it and we understand it's a difficult situation and those that did that have done really well and i i noticed that some of the restaurants that have um closed in bangkok are mostly uh tend to be um sort of Western-run restaurants, that means not Thai, in other words, not Thai or not Chinese, but um, the, they're either uh, like French or Italian, etc. cetera. And it's been tough. You know what? I see a positive um, silver lining in this pandemic because, you know, we take things for granted. Everything's going well, it's hunky-dory, Everybody's making lots of money. um, For instance, Bangkok is one of the top tourist destinations in the world. So everybody got complacent. All this money is coming in. And then we forget. Um, I love this American expression, shit happens. (laughs) And you know what? I'm sorry. (laughs) But but when it happens, how do you deal with it? And you deal with it by... uh, Hunkering down and working with your team to deal with the situation. And you see, um, uh, if I had a restaurant, I would gather all my people and say, "Okay, guys, and, and guys and girls, what are we going to do? How are we going to, you know, fight this? How are, how are we going to survive? Come up with ideas. Let's do things and places that start doing delivery." That's smart because people um, still can get good food. Mm, getting hungry, just thinking about <laughs> delivering.
1: <laughs> and you're in Paris right now. So, you know, there's probably, yes. uh, I'd imagine you're not too far from,
0: from anything yes. really good.
2: What, what, what is it like to be awarded a Michelin star?
0: Well, you know, Michelin star, um, it's a recognition about what you're doing. It's um, kind of a validation uh, that somebody's putting a medal on you and saying, Good. But also, what that does is it also intensifies what you're doing. In other words, um, you don't want to lose the star. So you have to keep up your standards. And so that's important. But it's also a very um, a fantastic. Morale boosting thing for your staff. Staff, when you get a Mission Star, wow, they get all excited and driven and they're proud too. Because, and when you get a Mission Star, you said, You guys got it because it's your work that made it. Not me, the chef, but you, the, the team. And that's really important. And the pride they have when they get the Mission Star. It's palpable. I mean, you just feel it. is's they're proud and because they're being recognized. And um so it's imp- it's it's important. and also there's a standard, you know with a Michelin star. that means you're you're on a certain level that people think everything is good, food, the service, et cetera. It's everything together. Not just the kitchen alone, you just don't do it on food. If you have bad service, doesn't make it,
2: Ken. I appreciate you taking time. I have one one final question so much about what you're talking about and we're talking about sometimes gets classified as this you know future of work category. Um, I'd like to ask you about what is your hope for the future of work?
0: Well. My hope for the future work is that um, we can learn from our mistakes and also um, how important it is to treat your worker and team as a family. You don't get everybody involved in part of what you're doing, which I think is the most important thing. I I imagine myself, if I'm working somewhere, what motivates me is that I I feel like a team, part of a team. And um, what I hope management can learn from all that's happened in the last few years is how important it is to treat your people well. And it's not only... Yes, for instance, it's not only about money. It's about, for instance, patting them on the back. Um, some of the best places I've ever worked in knows not only everybody's name, but know about their family, their children, their um, partner, or whatever. Um, in other words, you know, how are you doing? You know, Sam your little daughter, da, da, da. That's so important. You know, somebody who's working so hard. Um, and I, I noticed that uh, all the best places have that kind of management. In other words, they know who who's working for them and how important they are. Value them. And guess what? you're going to make more money <laughs> everybody will make more money and you know what is also good i think is very important when you do really exceptionally well hey spread the bounty around share it and you'd be surprised you know it's a uh, again long-term thinking you'd be surprised how loyal people are if you share Don't be greedy. (laughs) Chef, thank you for taking time. Thank you.
1: In any business, it's all about mentoring. From that conversation, there's a lot of truth in uh, what Chef says as he talks about the future of work. And We talk about the future of leadership and coaching. It feels like Ken has done a lot across the industry and a lot for a lot of people. Uh, But when you hear him talk about a Michelin star and what it means to him and the fact that, of course, it didn't surprise me he said it's validation, but the fact that he said it really is a team star, not just the chef star. And while Ken may have said that the smartest thing he did was not to have run a restaurant, it makes me think maybe we need more people like him running restaurants. While there's a lot, I'm sure there's a lot of recipes in Ken's books. I picked up a few of them that are pretty intimidating and uh, I I will be trying them. The ingredients, the recipe that he outlined for creating a workforce, creating a workplace, creating an environment where your people have pride in what they do and come to work every day excited. uh, Those ingredients do not seem that surprising. (laughs) Like they seem actually very simple. Take care of your people, listen to them but also take care of their family and be aware of where they're going home to. Now that doesn't sound like the most impossible task. That's not the hardest recipe. But then again, as I've talked to many chefs over the years, I've learned this one. It's the simple dishes that are sometimes the hardest. So thanks to Chef Ken Holm for taking time to share his experiences, his point of view. I was humbled to have the conversation. Uh, If if you haven't already, head on over to your local bookstore. Just ask. Just tell them Chef Ken Holm. They'll probably have a dozen books they can pull off their shelf to find for you. Um, Pick them up. And don't forget to subscribe to bring it in so you never miss an episode. We've got some awesome guests lined up that you're not going to want to miss. Now, back to work.